This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we are now within this great holy season of Lent, and the Church invites us to attend to one of the most powerful passages in the Gospel, Matthew's account of Jesus' temptations in the desert. You know, I've often said that Jesus is not meant to be admired. Jesus is meant to be followed, or better even, participated in. Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The Gospels invite us to participate in Jesus. I think in some ways this is particularly easy with regard to this Gospel story, because we see Jesus at a moment of weakness, facing temptations as we all do. So we learn from him here what it's like to face them, how to face them, how to do battle with them. And of course, it's a great Lenten theme to go into the desert and there to face the demons. Face all those things that would draw us away from our devotion to God. Remember the setting now for the story. Jesus has just been baptized by John. And remember the great account. The Father's voice rings out from heaven, This is my beloved Son. And then hovering between Jesus and the Father is the Holy Spirit. Jesus knows here his great identity. He knows who he is. He knows what his mission is. But then comes this moment of cleansing and clarification. To know precisely what this means. To do the will of his Father. To fulfill his mission. Look, none of us is the Son of God. But all of us baptized have been grafted onto the Son of God. None of us has precisely Jesus' mission, but we are joined to his mission. Therefore, we have to watch him carefully here. We have to attend to what he says and does, because we too face these same trials. Listen now to the account. The tempter approached him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, Command that these stones become loaves of bread. Of course, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. In a wonderful understatement, the gospel says, and he was hungry. Well, to no one's surprise, he's hungry. All around him, strewn on the ground, are these little rocks. Anyone that goes to the Holy Land will see these. All over the place, little rocks that look a bit like loaves of bread. Can you almost feel this temptation now? as this hungry man sees these little stones, and the devil suggests to him, just turn them into loaves of bread. What is the temptation? Use your divine power. Use your identity as the Son of God in order to satisfy your sensual pleasures and your sensual desires. Let me translate it now more into our terms. Make the very center of your life, the satisfaction of these 
desires for food and drink and shelter and sex. Now, we Catholics are not Puritans. We're not suspicious automatically of sensual pleasure. Hilaire Belloc has that famous couplet, wherever the Catholic sun does shine, there's music and laughter and good red wine. Catholics like the pleasures of the body, good food and good drink, sexuality, sensuality. Those are all God's gifts. So we don't move toward Puritanism. But, but, we do say the desire for God is the central desire. The desire for God must be the ground of my life, and all my other desires must be under the control and aegis of that desire. What's the great spiritual danger here? And Christians, lots of us face it all the time. The great temptation is to make those superficial desires my central desires. Now my whole life, all my energies, my mind, my will, my passion, my creativity, all of it goes to the servicing of my pleasure. What's Jesus' response now to the tempter? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He quotes from the book of Deuteronomy. What he's saying here is, these desires and these pleasures are good, but we do not live by them alone. They must not be dominant. Rather, the dominant desire must be following the will of God listening to every word that flows from the mouth of God. Lent is a particularly good time for us to look straight at this problem. To what degree is my life under the control of my sensual desires? If it is, I'm not living at the pitch at which God wants me to live. If I am dominated by these desires, I can't fulfill my mission. Because my mission from God might entail anything but physical pleasure. You see what I'm driving it. Look at the lives of the saints. How many of the saints went into situations that were anything but pleasurable. Anything but satisfying at the sensual level. Yet they did it because they knew that satisfying God's will is far more important than satisfying these desires. So we must be cleansed of the domination of these desires. Then comes the second temptation. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for he will send his angels to bear you up, lest, lest you cast your foot against a stone. Now, you might be tempted to say, well, this is Jesus' temptation, but this one is not mine. It's not likely that I'm going to be tempted to demand some spectacular work of God. Well, I don't know, Christians. These are all meant to be temptations that we all face in different ways. How is Jesus being tempted here? to make his ego more important and more central than God and God's will. He's being tempted to manipulate God, 
to force God to act, to make God dependent upon his own desires. I'll do this, and I'll force God to protect me. I'll do this, and I will compel God to act on my behalf. What's going on here is the great reversal, which is at the heart of sin. I and my desires and my mind become the measure of reality. Yes, measuring even God. Our first reading for today is the great account in Genesis of the original sin. We know the story well. God gives them free reign in the garden, except you may not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the devil tempts them. God doesn't want you to eat of that tree for one reason. He's jealous of you. He knows that if you eat of it, you will be like him, knowing good and evil. In other words, he is tempting Adam and Eve to move into a position of dominance vis-a-vis -vis God. Why should you be listening to God's recommendations? Why should your life be dependent upon him and his commands? Rather, you should seize control of your own life so that you become the Lord of your life. You make your decisions on your terms. Do you see what I'm driving at? This original sin, this is the heart of sin in many ways. And it's what Jesus faces as the devil says to him, throw yourself down and you compel God to act. Have you ever caught yourself saying or thinking this? If I were God, I would do things differently. Especially when a tragedy occurs. You lose a friend or a family member and you rail against God. How could this happen? How could you let it happen? Or when some tragedy occurs in the world and you say, oh, if I were in charge, I would arrange things differently. What are you doing there but putting the Lord your God to the test? Putting yourself in the dominant position. I will determine. I know. I'm in control. That's why Jesus, again, quoting from Deuteronomy, says to the devil, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. I've often said at the heart of the spiritual life is the deep conviction that your life is not about you. The heart of sin is to say just that. My life is about me. It centers around me. The great spiritual masters, the great saints, they all knew that they found themselves in the measure that they surrendered to a power that infinitely transcended their own little wills and their own little minds. Don't put the Lord your God to the test, but allow yourself to be determined by God and God's will. Then, the third temptation. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their magnificence, and he said to them, All these I will give to you if you but fall down and worship me. Is there a kind of crescendo in these temptations? Are we building to a kind of climax? Moving from the relatively crude temptation toward sensual pleasure, moving through a more subtle psychological temptation to make yourself into God. And now I wonder, is this the greatest temptation? The most devastating? 
the temptation toward power. I know several weeks ago I talked to you about Tolkien's trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, at the heart of which is this symbol of power, the ring. Everyone wants it. It's alluring. And it is a ring of domination. Augustine said, sin is the libido dominandi, the lust to dominate. Now you might say, well, yeah, I suppose Hitler and Stalin and, and these great terrible tyrants, they're tempted by power in this sense. Well, think again. A parent who exercises a kind of domineering influence in a family. Someone at a place of business who dominates, who makes his or her will the center. We are tempted by power on the grandest scale and on the smallest scale. The lust to dominate. Hegel, the great philosopher, talked about the master-slave relationship in any human society, from the smallest to the greatest. He says there's a master-slave relationship. Somebody is a seduced by power. Thomas Aquinas said this, power in itself is neutral. You say, I have power, but the real interesting question is, but for what? To accomplish what? The great temptation in some ways here is, I will seek power for its own sake because I want to aggrandize my ego. I want power because it makes my will great. But power to do what? I don't know. That's, that's a secondary question. For Aquinas, that's getting it precisely backward. Rather, you should get first the mission. And the mission is to do the will of God. Once that's clear, well, then seek power all you want, the power to accomplish and achieve this will. But making power itself the center of your life, that is the great temptation. And so as Lent proceeds, Christians, we look at sensual pleasure. We look at egocentrism. We look at power. And we notice how all of them, when they become central, block the one thing necessary. And that is listening to the word of God and fulfilling his will. Eschew the temptations, dismiss Satan, and seek that one necessary thing. God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of the word on fire, Call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.